0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, February the 18th, 2022. It is currently 5.57 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Empty Sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, located right here in Ovalo, Texas. And welcome to another, well, day of Bible study. It is, it is Friday, so we've reached kind of the almost the end of this week's Bible study exercise. Tomorrow will be the last day of our Bible study exercise, and then Sunday we will begin a new week. If you are new to our Bible study exercises, well, welcome. Let me explain how this works. I'm going to do this quickly. We dedicate one entire week to one passage of scripture. Sometimes we may dedicate an entire week to maybe a topic or a theme, but there'll always usually be a passage of scripture connected to said topic or theme. This week was unique because basically I gave you, you know, Genesis 42 to Genesis chapter 50, basically. I just like, you know, from here to here, just read it and keep reading it and keep reading it. And we have definitely worked on it. Also, with the Bible study exercise, there is curriculum. It's absolutely free. If you would like to sign up for the curriculum, it's, it's, it just email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, and we'll, we'll just send you a link. You sign up. It's absolutely free, and you have access to the curriculum um, every week, every week. And uh, you'll have the daily uh, devotional guide, the adult study guide. You'll have access to all of that. It's absolutely free. Um, and we thank uh, the uh, listeners who do help support and pay for that because a lot of people are, are starting to use it. So we're, we're very, uh, we're, we're glad for that. We're glad we're able to make that available to everyone because we don't want to charge anyone for anything. And we also have the Bible memory app uh, where we, you can join us in memorizing scripture. If you download the Bible memory app, it's absolutely free. Uh, you just download the Bible memory app. You go to groups And uh, once you get to groups, you do a search for Theology Central and join the Theology Central group. It's the Bible Memory app. It's available on uh, Apple App Store or Google Play. Um, The Bible Memory app. Download it. Do a search for Theology Central. Join the group. We don't, again, it's absolutely free. And well, I just added some scriptures to memorize just about five minutes before going live. So there's new verses available to memorize, really to kind of conclude this week's Bible study. But uh, that's kind of what the Bible study exercise is all about. It really works this way. I do part of the teaching, but the goal of the Bible study exercise series and all of the series is available on the Church One app. You can, there's like, I think 200 so far. I don't even know the number I'd have to look, but, um, and they're available wherever else you get your podcast, just subscribe to Theology Central and look for all the uh, episodes labeled Bible study exercise. The goal really is this. It's not for me simply to turn on a microphone and do the teaching. Right? It's it's really to try to move you from a passive listener to an active participant so that you're actually pulling out the notebook, the Bible, the reference tools. And I do, I do it, I do the teaching like I teach it kind of. Sometimes I teach it like, oh, well, could it be this? Could it be that? Trying, but I'm trying to get you involved, working through the process, not just sitting there passively listening. And I, I believe that so much is wrong in the church today, and Christians are so divided and distracted, and there's so many issues that what we need is to get Christians back to actually studying the Bible, actually studying the text of Scripture, learning hermeneutics, learning, you know, Bible study methods, really digging in, and hopefully um, we can continue to grow this series and that more and more people will participate. I'm just a sinner sitting in front of a microphone doing my best to try to live out my Christian life. And uh, well, you know what I realized I need in my Christian life? I need the word of God. You know what you need in your Christian life? The word of God. And no matter our struggles, our failures, we need the word of God. Uh, it, It just, no matter what is going on in our Christian life, we need the word of God. And sometimes we get so distracted and caught up about politics and so many other issues. We need the word of God more than we have ever needed it. I, I, I say that all the time, but we really do so. But th- so I, I I'll, that's 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 too much. That's four minutes, almost five minutes of introduction. Let's get into this week's study. This week has been a very intense week of study. It really have has, and a lot of you have contacted me, talking about how difficult this week has have has been. You've been confronted with some things that maybe you didn't really want to be confronted with. It's it, it's not been easy for me either because this week. We've been looking at the life of Joseph as recorded in the book of Genesis. And we've really used that historical narrative to focus on the subject of bitterness. And that's not a pleasant subject. Remember, bitterness is defined, and we've given a number of different definitions. But the definition that I want to use this evening for bitterness is bitterness is a feeling of pain or distress. It is a feeling of antagonism, hostility and resentfulness. Bitterness is where you feel pain. You feel distress. You feel antagonism, hostility, resentfulness because of how you have been treated. Something has been done to you and you feel the pain. You feel distress. You feel antagonism towards the people. You feel hostility. You feel that sense of resentfulness and it's hard to let go. And even if you may try to say, no, 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 I have forgiven. It's still there. And what we've done is we've tried to look at the, what happened to Joseph, especially at the kind of the the dramatic conclusion of his story to confront ourselves with the things that have happened to us. And I've also wanted you to be, confront, be confronted with the things you've done to other people. It's Look, it's really easy to remember all of the bad things that have been done to us, right? It's it's really easy to remember how we've been betrayed and how we've been hurt and how people have done horrible things to us. Sometimes we're quick to forget all of the ways we have betrayed people and we have hurt people. And I've definitely spent some time this week trying to remember all the ways I have hurt, betrayed, and let people down. And it's not pleasant. And in some cases, I'm bitter at myself for all of the mistakes I have made, all of the dumb things I have done, how I've hurt the name of Christ. I think we have to look at both. I think when we talk about bitterness, we have to not only think about what's been done to us, but we got to think about what we've done to others. I think there's that's very critical and even moving past bitterness. But we know this from scripture, bitterness has to be dealt with. It will it will corrupt It will corrupt in serious ways. Bitterness is something that we must deal with because if you don't, bitterness is a trap that will undermine and destroy your spiritual life. And and basically you'll find yourself in a pit, not able to advance spiritually because there's this underlying bitterness and you may have pushed it down. You may have tried to cover it up with all the little little religious cliches and all of the Christian language that you've been taught and put a smile on your face and say everything's wonderful, but that bitterness will eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Its appetite cannot be ever satisfied. It will and what it's eating is your life, your joy, your your spirituality. It will destroy you. I think I think it will have a profound impact not only on you emotionally. Mentally and physically. Bitterness is a horrible thing. We have to deal with it. And a lot of times we will try to turn to maybe a psychologist. And counseling. To try to overcome with our our bitterness. And I'm by no means discouraging that. But I just want you to realize that sometimes that is... Their techniques or their ideas may not even necessarily be from a biblical perspective. So what I've tried to get us to do this week is to think about bitterness and see, do we find the answers in this dramatic conclusion in the book of Genesis where we see Joseph? Now let's remind ourselves that if anyone could feel bitterness from just a human perspective of being treated in an incorrect way, Joseph would be the number one candidate. We've talked about this this week. I would challenge—I definitely would challenge you to go back and listen to part two of this because we spent a lot of time on some very interesting things. And I'll, I'll mention some of this in a minute. But just let's remember Joseph, the favorite son. His father loves him more than the others. The favorite son who gets a coat of many colors. And he's very proud of that. And he's wearing it around all the time, which shows his position, shows his, him being special. He gets dreams. And these dreams seem to indicate that everyone's going to bow down to him. And how did that work out? His brothers were filled with resentment and anger and bitterness, and they decided we're going to get rid of Joseph. They think about killing him. Ultimately, they throw him in a pit. They sell him as a slave. And the next thing you know, Joseph is off and he's a slave removed from his family. Now, yes, he may may experience times of prosperity within being a slave, but he's still a slave. He's still separated from his family. Next thing you know, he's falsely accused, ends up in prison. Hey, he, he's able to interpret dreams, but then he's forgotten in prison. I think he's there for a, a minimum of two years. It's, it's over two years. And then he's remembered. He's in he's, he, he ends up basically in, second in charge of Egypt. Every, but he's still removed from his family. He's still in Egypt. He's still under the control of someone else. So we see the the, the good that happens, but we sometimes forget the emotions that are still involved. Everything seems to be going well. And sometimes as we read the story, like, well, see, everything's going great for Joseph, but, but there still has to be some bitterness in there. And then what do we see? We see this amazing thing in the text of scripture that we talked about on Wednesday night. This really... Absolute thing that I think is missed by a lot of people. There are seven scenes of Joseph weeping. They start in, the first one starts in Genesis chapter 42, right? Seven scenes of Joseph weeping. We went through all seven. And what we realize is these seven scenes are structured in a chiastic structure. A chiastic structure is a literary device where there's a pattern. Emerges and there's a pattern in these seven scenes of Joseph weeping. Right, it's also known as a chiasm. All right, and the, remember the structure goes A B C D C B A A B C the structure, and then that that's that that pattern, and then it's repeated C B A and the D and the chiastic structure or the chiasm is usually the hinge that explains what's going on. And we looked at all seven and realized this. And this is what I think is interesting about the seven times Joseph weeps. It's almost like, put it this way, we can at least say this, the first time he weeps, is when his brothers come to Egypt to get some food because of the famine. I, I, I know I'm, I'm not going through the entire story again, but the, the assumption here is that you've been a part of the Bible study exercise when you get to part three. So I'm, I'm speaking to you like you've already been with me all week, okay? You can go definitely read the last, you know, chapter 39 to, to 50 of Genesis. You, you just read it all for yourself. Some of you have told me this week you've read it multiple times praise God for that. Do it, read it one more time. Just really live in the story. But we can definitely say this. Wednesday night after the church service, there was lots of discussion about the chiastic structure, the chiasm, what this really means. And I kept trying to just be dogmatic about this, and I believe I can prove this. The first time Joseph weeps, is he sees his brothers, his brothers doesn't even recognize him. And Joseph goes and separates himself from everyone else and weeps and then comes back and and then almost puts on, you know, pretends that he wasn't weeping. And then he, well, then it starts off this long game. He plays with his brothers. The last time he's weeping, he's revealing himself to his brothers. There is reconciliation. There is forgiveness. Everything is wonderful. And I believe that the games that Joseph plays with his brother, some people will try try to say, well, he's trying to determine if they're sincere. Like, I think he's working through some deep emotions. That's why he keeps weeping. He keeps weeping and, and seven different times. I don't think that that's just placed in there just for information's sake. He's working through it. After everything that happened to him, he works through all of the issues. And finally... There is a, uh, he, the, the, the bitterness is gone. Now you can say, well, uh, you, you may argue he didn't have bitterness. He did. I know this. He kept weeping. He, he clearly felt pain. He cl- clearly felt emotions. I don't know if he felt resentment. I don't know if he felt, uh, you know, all of those other things that we just talked about, all of those other emotions. Uh, but I, I do know this, that you see a, 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 well, I don't, I know he felt pain. I know he felt some distress, antagonism, hostility, or resentfulness, everyone has a different opinion. I just believe when you go through the seven times that he's crying, you see him working through these things. He's working, and it ultimately ends in reconciliation. So I think that there is a struggle there. And because sometimes we almost want to deify Joseph because everybody wants to talk about him being a picture of Christ, so we want to almost deify him. Joseph was a real person. Right With real issues just like all of us, with a sinful nature like all of us. And I think that the the, the, the story, all of that back and forth in the games he plays with his brothers, I think is showing working through all of this. But the sto- but the question I had, and I asked it Wednesday, and I'm going to ask this tonight, and, and, and I'm just doing this more in, like in a devotional way to really try to drive us to uh, some very important understanding here. is some people believe the reconciliation. I think some people look at the story of Joseph and thinks the reconciliation is the solution to the bitterness. in other words, he reconciled to his brother his brothers and that that solved. in other words, the way to fix your bitterness is reconciliation. If you reconcile, your bitterness will go away. And I don't I'm I'm arguing against that concept. I think that you have to remove the bitterness for reconciliation to even be possible. I think reconciliation was the result of Joseph, whatever bitterness he may have had the first time he wept, by the time you get to number seven when he's weeping, that bitterness has gone and there's true reconciliation. I think bitterness has to be removed before there can be reconciliation. And this is so very important. And bitterness has to occur, or bitterness has to be resolved, even if there is no reconciliation. You can't say that reconciliation is the solution to bitterness because in some cases reconciliation isn't even possible, feasible. It's not going to happen because the other people don't want to be reconciled. The other people don't care what they've done to you. They don't care how they betrayed you. They don't care. They don't care. They don't feel anything. You've got to work through that bitterness in spite of it. So what, how do you work through it? Now, people say, well, you know, forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. I, I completely agree with that. But my question is, how did Joseph work through it? That's really the, the goal this week is to understand bitterness and the, and the context of the historical narrative that we have in front of us. And I, the more I read the story, I've read the story and read the story and read the story and read the story, I'm still just absolutely 100% convinced that the answer is found in Genesis chapter 50 and two verses. And, and, and I know not everyone may agree, but that's the whole thing with the Bible study exercise. As I, a lot of times I like to throw out like a hypothesis, a theory, and try to get people thinking about it, okay? not so that we can argue. The good thing about the Bible study exercises so far is it hasn't turned into a bunch of arrogant people thinking they know everything. It's been humble people. Maybe they agree or disagree, but at least trying to work through it in a godly way. So I'm just gonna put forth this idea again tonight. And I know it's not an easy solution, but it's the solution to me provided in this historical narrative. I'm not saying we should ignore all the other verses in the Bible that would relate to bitterness and and, and, and resolving bitterness. But I just think it's fascinating that all we have in Genesis, as far as what, how Joseph really, the I think the words he says at the end are the words that really demonstrate how he was able to work through it. And, and you may disagree, but the, the words are found in Genesis chapter 50. You probably know the words. And I just made these words, uh, the uh, memory verses for uh, this uh for for the remainder of this week. We we may keep them there for a a little bit longer, but they're there and you'll you'll see them in just a minute because I, I think these words are so very important. So very important. So are you ready? Right? Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. All right Now, Joseph speaking to his brothers, the very brothers who betrayed him, the very brothers who, who sold him into slavery, the very brothers who thought about killing him. This, I think this, I think, I think there's so much to this. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. And Joseph said unto them, fear not for am I in the place of God. I'm going to read this in a number of translations. But Joseph said unto them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? New living translation. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Now, in some ways, he's second in charge. He probably could get them punished, right? But he, he, he there, there's something here I think that's significant. ESV, but Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Berean study Bible, but Joseph replied, do not be afraid, am I in the place of God? King James Bible, and Joseph said to them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? I think one of the keys, one of the solutions to bitterness is for you to realize you are not God. God. You, I know you say, well, I know that I'm not God. I know that you think, I know that in theory, you don't believe you are God. But in practice, we live our lives as if we are God. We think everything should go our way. Everyone should do what we want. Everything should work out according to our will, our plans. And when it doesn't, we get upset. We get frustrated. We get angry. We get hurt. We get bitter. We get resentful. We want revenge. We want to make someone pay. We we want to, we constantly place ourselves in the position as if we are God. You do it. I do it. We all do it. We get upset as soon as something doesn't go our way. Almost as if I'm God and life should always go my way. And we want everyone to do everything the way we want it to do. And if they don't do it in a way, or if they do this or this, we get upset. Because we feel like that we're God. Nothing, no one should ever do anything wrong to us. We should always be treated a certain way. Almost like everyone should submit to us. Everyone should worship us. And I know we would say, "I, I don't think that way. Oh, but there it's... Look, I think this God complex is the very essence of our sin nature. What do I always say sin is? For those who have been listening to me for a long time, sin is the exaltation of the I. Not the E-Y-E, but the I, the letter I. Sin is the exaltation of yourself. Sin is the constant exaltation voice in your head saying you should have that. Don't deny yourself that you shouldn't be treated that way. They should listen to you. They you're right. They're wrong. You did They're them. They're the wrong ones. They're the bad ones. It's all about you. You. They should listen to you. They should do what you say. They should treat you better. You've been mistreated. It's you, 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 me, 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 I, 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 I. That's sin. Sin is the God complex that we all struggle with. Joseph has been so mistreated. Joseph has been completely mistreated. But at some point he realized, who am I? I'm not God. I'm not God. Now, this is important because I think sometimes what we feel like is when sometimes people have betrayed us or hurt us. Now, this is not to minimize the pain or hurt that's been done to you. If you know my story and all of the horrible things that happened to me in my life, I'm by no means minimizing anyone's pain or suffering. I am not minimizing it. What you experienced was pain or suffering. Even, I don't care what it was, it, the pain you felt was real and no one should minimize that pain or just tell you to get over it. I'm not telling you to get over it. I'm trying to show you that in this text, Joseph's dramatic reconciliation with his brothers ends with him acknowledging, "Who? I'm not God. Now, the minute you say you're not God, this changes everything. Because sometimes we feel like that when someone has done something to us, when someone has messed us over, has betrayed us. There is an, an inherent, built-in concept in our brains that we have, we're, we're morally superior. I'm morally superior over you because you did that. You hurt me, therefore I deserve the right to demand some kind of repayment. That you should suffer. That 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 I I, I should hate you because you feel morally superior because of what they did to you. Now, what they did to you was wrong. There is no excusing that. There's, there's no minimizing that, but you're not God. That's why the Bible talks about. We don't seek revenge. We don't avenge ourselves. We leave it to God. We don't overcome evil by evil. We overcome evil with good. We love, we turn the other cheek. We do that because we're not God. We're not morally superior. Now in that specific instance, whatever they did you may be morally superior that you've never committed that specific act yes but you're still a sinner you're still not god you're not the judge of the universe you, the people you're angry at will stand before the same god to be judged as you will stand in front of now i'm not now we get a whole discussion about how judgment works and i know there's all kinds of different Theological beliefs about judgment, but the point is, is we are not the judge in this particular case and situation. We are not. We are sinners. And Joseph just looks at them and like, they're scared to death. They're scared to death. And, 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 and in some ways, you go, well, they, they should be, considering all the things they did to Joseph. But Joseph's like, who again, read those words. Fear not. For am I in the place of God? Don't, don't, I'm not, he's asking, am I in the place of God? And the obvious answer is, no, you're not. Joseph isn't God. I'm not God. So you know what? People may have done things to me, may have hurt me, but I'm not God. I'm not God. I've got to, I got to leave that to God. God. But he goes a step further. Not only does he realize he's not God. Oh, this is just mind boggling here. This is just, this to me, I think, I'm still trying to understand the significance of this in dealing with bitterness because I don't think anyone ever talks about these two concepts in dealing with bitterness. We talk. We immediately go to forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. And I'm not saying we should, we can't ignore those verses, but in this historical narrative, it's not, it doesn't mention forgiveness in a sense. It. This is Joseph's really, Here's his answer. How is he able, after all of these seven times of crying, going through this chiastic structure, when he finally reconciles with his brothers, the answer isn't, well, hey guys, I've forgiven you because I'm morally better than you. No, I'm not God. And then he says these words, verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me. He doesn't in any way minimize their evil. He doesn't deny their evil. Bitterness is not just somehow forgetting that someone did evil to you. No, you acknowledge that what they did is evil. But Look what he says. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Here's, here's the concept. I am not God, but God is in charge. I am not God, God is in charge. God is in charge of everything that has happened because he works all things after his good pleasure and will. Somehow, Joseph's understanding of God's sovereignty, even in the very details of daily life, understanding that sovereignty freed him from the bitterness that could have prevented reconciliation the sovereignty of god was the very thing that helped destroy the bitterness from within him now it, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around and because because I, you've got to listen to me i am no way minimizing again the pain or suffering that you've experienced experienced and i know it can raise all kinds of philosophical questions well if god is sovereign then why did i suffer why did I, I mean, Joseph could be saying, okay, wait, God is in charge. Why would God let me be taken from my father, almost killed, sold as a slave, falsely accused, placed in prison, forgotten in prison? Why would he do this? Now, he ultimately finally realizes, well, because, you know, God's going to use me to save other people because of the famine and Joseph knowing what to do. But the but the, 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 there was a, there had to be a point there where he didn't quite understand all of that. But even if good comes from it, even if good comes from your suffering, you still may say, why did I suffer that? But here's the thing. Will you question? Why God would you do this if you've already first acknowledged you're not God? See, if it starts with, am I God? And the answer is no. Well, if I once I realize I'm not God, well, then whatever God does, who am I to complain? I just understand God is at work. And I don't understand. I may never understand the reason, the why, the how come. And I. And by no means does it minimize the suffering. Joseph doesn't minimize the evil his brothers did. Please do. When you're trying to overcome bitterness, don't minimize the evil or wrong done to you. That That's just trying to play a mental game. No, you never forget the evil that was done to you in the sense that you never, you never minimize it. What was done to you was wrong, but somehow you have to see God's sovereignty in it. He was controlling it. He was working through it. He allowed it. He decreed it. And somehow in that fact is then you have to go, I can get upset and be bitter, but it's God who was in charge of it. So your only option is either get over your bitterness or your bitterness gets directed at God. But if you start with the acknowledgement and the humility that you're not God, then how could you get bitter at God because you realize you're not God? So who are you to tell God what to do? Somehow the sovereignty of God has to be the very medicine to cure us of the bitterness of that will break us destroy us and prevent any reconciliation from occurring doesn't excuse the wrong I want, I want to really drive that point home because i could look back at my life and go man i hurt some people i was stupid and i and i can i can give specific examples where i really messed messed up in really big ways i can't excuse what i did right so i don't want to use this to excuse the evil i did but i have to but at the same time i have to understand that any wrong that i did god is sovereignly in involved in working through it and 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 we've already talked about earlier today about god is the one who controls even the temptations that come into our lives i mean you see this in the bible sometimes it makes no sense when when abraham lies or Abram lies about Sarai being you know, not his wife, but being a sister, she gets put in a really bad position where she could end up having, you know, physical relations and God steps in and stops it. But when Abram's going to go on and onto Hagar, God doesn't step in to stop it. God doesn't step in to stop a, uh, David from having, from doing what he did. He doesn't step in to stop Solomon from being a serial adulterer polygamist. Sometimes God steps in, sometimes God doesn't, which shows God's sovereignty and working in and through everything. Doesn't excuse the behavior, but it shows God working through it. Whatever has happened in your life that's creating that sense of bitterness, God was at work. God was at work in it, through it, allowing it, decreeing it, directing it. Doesn't mean that you're like, well, I'm so glad that I suffered. No, it just means that God's at work in it and through it. Joseph figures out why. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I may never understand. Right? Sometimes I can try to assign a reason to try to make myself feel better. Sometimes I just have to acknowledge God's at work. And I'm not God. If you think about it. The medicine that cures bitterness is a humble recognition that we're not God and that God works things out according to his will, not our will. And once we humbly realize we're not God and are willing to realize that God's will is more important than my will, my comfort, my pleasure, this really creates the very scenario that is talked about by Jesus saying that if you're going to come to him, you're going to be his disciple, you have to die to yourself, deny yourself, and no longer follow self. Because once you've denied self and died to self, that gives that humility. And we need a humility. I am not God. And you know what's more important? God's will, God's plan, not my comfort, not my satisfaction. And if, if what happened to me is a part of God's plan, then I humbly... Even though I'm, I, I still declare, I still acknowledge what happened to me was sinful, but God was at work in it and through it and decreed it and and working in it. And I and what's more important has to be that until you come to the point in your life where you you accept that God's will and God's glory is more important than your comfort, your will, your satisfaction, your contentment, your happiness. Until you reach that point then so much will come into your life that will only generate bitterness. I think, you know, even if you say, well, people need to forgive. That's easy to say, but but what, what's going to lead you to forgive? What's going to lead me to forgive? I think in, in, in many cases is to understand I'm not God and that I'm going to forgive them because God's will is more important than my grudge. Now, I think another key element to forgiveness is then taking the time to remember all the wrong that you've done. But in Genesis here, in this story, that's not it, that doesn't take place in this narrative. So I don't want to import that concept here. I want us to just look at that end of Genesis. And I want you to take those two concepts and I want you to really meditate on how they resolve bitterness. I want you to live with them. I want you to memorize these verses. I'm going to read them to you one more time. Genesis chapter 50. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? I'm I'm not God. I don't stand in the place of God. For you, but as for you, you thought evil against me. Not going to deny that what you did, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is to say to save much evil. You know what was more important? You did evil. God's will was more important to Joseph than the evil that he encountered. The will of God was more important than the evil which he was done up to him and upon him. Now, why did God's will involve him suffering like that? I mean, put it this way. He was giving, I mean, think about, I would just think about this from a realistic way, all right? Because I know Christians, we always got to try to, we got to try to come up with a way to try to make it, you know, where God doesn't in a quote unquote look bad, but we don't have to defend God, he's God. But let's just look at it from a very humanistic standpoint. I think we can all agree with this. He was already giving, giving Joseph dreams about what was going to happen. He could have given him a very simple dream. Joseph, move, go to Egypt. When you get there, I'm going to give a dream to Pharaoh. He's not going to be able to understand it. I'm going to have the people come to you because I'm going to let them know that you're the one who can interpret the dream. You're going to interpret the dream and you're going to become second in charge. And then you're going to save your family. He could have brought Joseph directly to Egypt and avoided brothers, bitterness, brothers trying to kill you and sell you and false imprisonment. He could have gotten him there in a far different way. We all know that, and to say that he he, that he couldn't do that is just, it's just it's just wrong. He could have got him there in the most direct, simple way, but he did not. Why? I don't know. He's God. God doesn't always reveal His plan. Remember that was the whole thing when He, in a sense, God sets up Job. Job suffers, and when Job tries to understand everything, finally God just God hits him with one question after another, and finally Job's like, you know what? I'll just I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to talk anymore. He doesn't explain to Job why. We don't always get the why. We don't always get the explanation. But what we have is the assurance that whatever happens, everything that occurs is because God is working out his will and his good pleasure. And if his will and his pleasure becomes my will and my pleasure, then whatever I encounter, I will not get bitter. I will be feel blessed that I am a part of that will and that plan even if it requires my suffering. Now, it's easy for me to say, I'm sitting here right now in an empty church on a Friday night. I can sound so super spiritual. As soon as things go a little wrong in my life, I can get mad. I can get upset. I can get resentful. And I know a lot of you this week have been struggling through some real pain and and resentment, and bitterness, and I don't have any easy, like, here's, you know, here's the magic formula. I'm saying that somehow in Genesis 15, 19, I believe it's 19 and 20. I keep I keep forgetting the reference. Yeah, 19 and 20. Um, that there, it's There's something there. Because the text doesn't provide anything. Well, you know what? Actually, I think there's three. You know what? I'm going to take it back. Now that I'm thinking about it the chiastic structure, the chiasm of, of Joseph crying, those seven times. I think the seven times Joseph cries and then the two things he says there, those three things, I think is the solution to bitterness that Genesis presents. And what do I mean? That the, the seven times of weeping, that that these show an acknowledgement of the pain, a feeling of the pain, and a working through the pain. Like, like that's, you're not, you don't get rid of bitterness just by like, oh, I'll just memorize Genesis, you know, 50 verses 19 through 20. It's got, no, no. You got to work through the process. You got to acknowledge it. You got to feel it. You got to accept it. But then you have to realize that you're not God and that God is at work in it. And that God's will and God's pleasure, it has to become your will and your pleasure. But I think the, the seven times of weeping that's outlined in Gen- starting in Genesis 42 all the way to Genesis 50, and it's in a chiastic structure. It's in a chiasm, all right? There's that the pattern, A, B, C, and then C, B, A, and then D is the hinge. That's the one that's different uh, there, and we, and we worked through all of that. Go back to part two and listen. We worked through all of it. I was hoping that was going to generate far more discussion than it did. I think that's significant. I was trying to get the people in, in, in the church on Wednesday to understand, no, those seven... Times of crying. I think each each occurrence, they're, they're, it's it's working through the emotions and the bitterness and 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 the and the and and the the, the feelings that, that that are all that it's all coming out because of all the things that he was encountering. Joseph was encountering encountering with his father and his brothers. I don't think that can just be overlooked. So we have the we have the process, and then we have, in a sense. We have the process and we have the theology. The process is just being honest and working through the emotions. And then the theology is, I'm not God, and God is sovereign. There's got to be an answer to bitterness in that. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I don't know what will, maybe tomorrow we'll do just a couple of smaller things in regards to the Bible study exercise for this week. Um, And then maybe tomorrow we'll introduce next week's study. I may introduce next week's study. On Sunday, we've got, really got just one more study in Genesis. So I don't know how much it's going to add to it. Um, it may be just an easy week next week for the study. And then we'll start a whole brand new series the following week. So if you want to be a part of all the Bible study exercises, let me know. Questions, anything. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. If you want access to the curriculum, if you need help with the Bible memory app, join us in these Bible studies. Um, and of course, the Discord channel. If you want to be a part of that, uh, you can let me know as well. But I'll stop right there. There we go. All right. Everyone have a wonderful Friday evening. May God bless you as you work through bitterness, resentment, and pain. And hopefully through this, you come out on the other side, maybe freed of that to a level where it's no longer a spiritual pitfall but maybe it's an actual stepping stone to a greater level of sanctification. And may God bless us as we work through these very difficult issues. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great night.